And here we go. Another episode of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Monday night, January 30th, 2017. Month of January almost in the books as we turn the page on a new year. A lot to get to on tonight's show. A lot of football, some pros, but a lot of college. Had uh, postseason all-star games, so we'll get started on some early uh, draft analysis, give uh, you listeners out there some players to keep an eye on as we go through the draft process leading up to the NFL draft, a couple of interesting uh, stories by way of real sports, also a very interesting story about a guy I actually played against in high school, football, Vernon Turner, very touching article he wrote for the Herald Tribune, or the Players Tribune rather, and special treat back by popular demand, the one the only AG. What is up, my man? First of all, compliments to DJ Hayden. Thank you, sir. Not the failed defensive back, <laughs> but the, the very Jamal Hayden sitting before. You Thank know, you, sir. In the studio here for kicking off with Peace Frog, which that and Riders on the Storm are my two favorite Doors tunes. Okay, yeah. I, obviously, Peace Song, uh, a Peace Frog being a very appropriate song to play in these rather troubled times. Yes, I. Uh, that is certainly one of the reasons why I played it. Um, the, uh, I'm sure you remember the, uh, the white rap group third base. Yes. Yes. They, they sampled that song, um, for a song that they wrote called the cactus in which they also reference a one Jim Backus. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yes. Large. They were the ones that brought us pop goes the weasel. Correct. Right? Correct. With, with what Henry. Who would they go after for no ice? I think in that. Hen- Hen- played by Henry Rollins in the video. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yes. To go back yes. Henry Rollins of, of, of Black Flag fame, and then of well, he got he was famous more as as a solo artist, and then as sort of just a a, a commentator on on society. Uh, I believe Henry Rollins' band was also, which is going to be hard to believe now, uh, but I believe he was the, the 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 house band for Dennis Miller when Dennis Miller had his late night talk show. That also will warrant a little further research. <laughs> I think that is the case. But in any event, we digress. Yes, uh, which is why in these uncertain and troubled times, uh, sports is even more it important. Is such an important distraction. <laughs> yes, indeed. Because there's really two things I'm looking at right now. Yes. The NFL draft, scouting yeah. players, uh-huh. and then setting aside that gloomy half hour, 45 minutes to, to read the papers. Yeah. And then... Actually, I'm going to have my fill. All right, and right back to scouting players because I can't deal anymore. Yeah, I mean, going on Facebook is Oh, a, I don't do it anymore. Yeah, I'm it's, done. It's, I, 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 I don't do it anymore. It's, uh, it's rough. It's rough out there. Um, obviously, there's some, some good stuff, but some, some not-so-good stuff. But uh, anyway, we'll jump right in. So last week, we had the uh, – we'll, we'll do college football first and, and, and some players – um, I think I, I gave you a little homework assignment. I wanted, to, I wanted, I think, five players that you stood out to you to keep an eye out on to, to share with the listeners for both the East-West Shrine game. And then last uh, this past uh, Saturday was the Senior Bowl, which is the, the more prestigious of the, the postseason All-Star games. Remember back in our day, by the way, there used to be the Blue-Gray game. Correct. Played on Christmas Day. Yes. Uh, in which uh, former Maryland uh, Terrapin and friend of uh, – Yours truly, John Kaleo, played uh, right? in that game. I want to say that game was my first exposure to Jerry Rice. Uh huh. Played in that game. Yes, it was. It was actually so. The 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 old blue gray game was for uh, players whose teams didn't make a bowl game. Obviously, because and now it was of course on, everybody makes a bowl game. Right. Exactly. And 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 to wit, and as a result, 
there were obviously a lot of players from small schools could play in that game. Because, you know, obviously, you know, this is, we're going back 30 years, even longer maybe. Back then, nobody ever heard of Miss. I mean, now, all right, maybe ne- not necessarily Mississippi Valley State, which is where Jerry Rice went to college, is on television. But, you know, Grambling will be on. I mean, you'll see teams from from the... Uh, right, but then, but then you only had two or three games being broadcast. Well, that's true, too. During the weekend. That's maybe true. Maybe two. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, well, in our well, doing well, Big Ten game. well, in our and and CBS, right, and Seems, right, with Moss Brentford. That's right. That's right. Oh, by the way, nice little send off a little send off for 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 Brent Musburger. Yeah, you see that? He's done. I know he's done. He's done. He's done. And I think part of it may have had a little something to do with his most recent performance, Joe Mixon performance. Uh, Ooh, yeah, it was, it was man! He's a bit misguided. Oh just man! Like, you know I'm in my seventies. I'm going to do it my way. I mean, look, and 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 you know, and, uh, and 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 obviously um, Jesse Palmer just probably probably doing face palms. Yeah. So I know we've gotten sidetracked here, but I think this this warrants a mention. So Brett Musburger was doing the uh, was it the Sugar Bowl? Yeah, it was, it was uh, Oklahoma uh, versus somebody good, but Oklahoma kind yeah, of yeah, they beat up on they want somebody. Uh, was it Auburn? Was it a, yeah, it was Auburn. Yeah, it's a good call. So for those of you out there who may not know, Joe Mixon is a is a very talented uh, running back for for Oklahoma. Uh, had an incident. He also has the skills of a receiver. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's off the chart. Well, well, actually, I want to talk to you about him as far as whether or not he'd be on your board. Um, but had an incident two years ago where he literally decked a, a, a female student in the face and got lucky, and frankly, that she didn't die because she fell so violently and hit her head on a table. It was a, like a you know like a subway type of a, a restaurant, and um, she needed reconstructive surgery. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. Um, he was suspended for a season uh, after that, and the video hadn't come to light. Everybody knew about it. He pleaded. I think you know either guilty or guilty to a lesser charge, whatever. He there, kind was, there was no attempt to, to hide. It was, there was no attempt to hide it. But the video, much like the same thing in the Ray Rice case, the video came out. Although in this case, two years later, not you know months after the fact, it's really hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. In any event, so and and the video was released probably I want to say about a week before the Sugar Bowl. So Brendan Musburger. Yeah, I, I guess there's two. Look, as an announcer, I, I, I would imagine there's two ways to go here. You either ignore it, which I think is disingenuous, or you confront it head on. Well, Brent kind of he confronted it. That's he that's confronted it, but but he 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 did it from the perspective of you know this has been really hard on Joe Mixon and. Folks, I just want to let you know I spoke to the young man and he's doing just fine. And you're not exaggerating. Right. You're not exaggerating. <laughs> I mean, like, what, Brent? Yeah. How about is And a- then he doubled down later on in the game when obviously he got yeah. a mean tweets. Yeah, him. yeah. I and mean, he, uh, yeah, he doubled down. And so poor Jesse. All you people that are, that are upset, I was just, I was trying to say that I hope this man has a very productive career. It's just like, right. just. You're don't, missing. Let him go point. back to it. Just, well, know, just, well just, Brent. I mean, Brent. You're missing the point. Whether or not he has a productive NFL career is beside the point. What you should have just said is, "Listen, it was a horrible incident. Hopefully, it was. Yes, to be fair, it was two years ago. Doesn't excuse anything that he did. I don't condone it for one second. Hopefully, the young man has learned for it from it and is a better person. Period. The done. end. Move done. on. That's it. And just and, oh no no sorry not period. The end. Move on. Oh, and I hope the young woman herself is 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 able to recover and lead a productive life. How about that? 
and then peer at the end and move on. That would probably have been the wiser course uh, of action to take. But instead, it, it, was, it was not a great moment. For, it was so cringeworthy. It was, wasn't good. Way worse than his uh, openly ogling uh, Catherine Webb uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in the uh, national championship that, game. That was AJ McCarron's wife? Uh, girlfriend, girlfriend, but I believe yeah, now yeah. wife. But yes, yeah. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> so yeah, it was time probably for Brent to move on. But listen, there was certainly a time when it, if you're of a certain age like we are, uh, you know, Brent Musburger meant big events and particularly in football. I mean, you know, you were looking live was uh, a catchphrase that those of us who grew up in the 80s watching football knew quite well. It was either that or you got Keith Jackson with the Big Ten games. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, we're in the middle of the Billy Washer here. Yep, exactly. Oh, Michigan. That was the football. <laughs> oh, exactly. let me take my <laughs> That's exactly right. Good job out of you. Anyway, so uh, we digress again, but it's fun, so we like to do it. Um, so, we're, so we're on the subject of let's, let's, uh, of the East-West Shrine. Yeah, East-West Shrine game. So before we begin, I guess one could argue that one might be a few tweaks away from a healthy existence. They're <laughs> putting a lot of energy into, uh, into the, uh, the East-West Shrine game. Into watching the East-West Shrine game. Let alone the, the senior ball. What? Which, 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 which uh, I believe uh, we have both done. Oh, yeah. Um, but, hey, we got to get our football teams back. we got to improve our football teams. Well, That's what it's about. Well, listen. Player acquisitions. 360 <laughs> days a year, my friend. That's right. It never stops. Uh, you never know when. I will build a football team. <laughs> you never know. Jerry when. Jones will listen to me. <laughs> That's right. I mean, listen, why Jethro hasn't hired you yet is uh, is beyond me. But I think, uh, by the way, I think my I think my instincts have been proven over and over. Well, so you know, to that end, I wanted to give you credit because there were a couple of guys in games that I was watching this year that I distinctly remember you pointing out to me. One of them was uh, oh crap, now I can't remember his name. The outside linebacker from uh, North Dakota State Carson uh, Carson Wentz's school that went to the Chargers. Oh, Kyle Emanuel. Kyle Emanuel. Uh, I remember you were very high on him. I watched the game that he made about three amazing plays in a row this year for the Chargers. Um, yeah, it, it, wasn't I, even I think, a guy. I think he's on the Cowboys board. I, I was worried he's not good enough to play for my, my defense. <laughs> well, he's a tweener, Aaron. You see, he's yeah. a 3-4. Is he a 4-3? Yeah, like. right. You figure out you figure a spot out for guys, uh, spot out for a guy like guys that. Just make play after play. After. The well, guy was unblockable in college. Yeah, I so I watched this one. I just happened to you know I was watching a Chargers game for whatever reason, you know, or maybe it was just red zone or whatever. But I, he had a series where he he stood out. Um, in a game this year as a rookie. What was the name of the guy now? I'm pretty sure he, he, he got hurt. I don't know if his career is over. Um, like the Ukaloo Malaka Luka guy for the, the Saints drafted him. He was from Washington, maybe. One of those Samoan Hawaiian guys. Uh, oh, uh, Haloe Haloe Kikaha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. He had a lot of injury problems in college. Yeah, um, and, and probably hurt his draft stock, but um, I think he wanted to take him in the second round anyway. And but, and he looked like he was going to be a real player. That was a wild man in college. Yeah, but he's never he's never been able to stay on the field. But I remember watching him. I think in either a preseason game or regular season game, he was all over the place. Yeah, that too. Was, he was one of my guys. That was one of your guys too. And that was a Joey Bosa. I was I was very high. On you were very high on Joey Bosa, and that was the other thing I was watching in that same game. Joey Bosa. Unblockable. I talked about him on an earlier podcast that I did solo. I mean, the guy was—he was tremendous. When I was ranking uh, the the jobs that were available at the time in the NFL, mm-hmm. I had the Chargers, I think, up there at like number three because look, good quarterback and a lot of talent on defense, 
And certainly Joey Bosa is a big part of that. I mean, the guy's a stud. My boss, his 17-year-old son is a huge Chargers fan. Oh, really? Yeah, huge Chargers fan. I'm by- and when they when they, um, when they they drafted Bosa, yeah. my boss told me, my son, not happy with this pick. Not really? Pick. And I told him, no, no, he's wrong. He's dead wrong. Yeah. This is a great pick. He yeah. thinks this guy's going to light it up. Yeah, he was a stud. Yeah, well, I, and, and, you know, so, you know, obviously missed the first four or five games of the, the hamstring. Right. Oh, and, and the, obviously the um, the holdout. Right, right. The, the charge, yeah, it looked like he was destined to be a bust rookie year, and it was anything but. The guy really played well. All right, so let's get down to it. East-West Shrine game. I've got like five or six guys that I thought really stood There's out really in the game. one guy that I, that I didn't really notice. Oh, okay. Maybe it was because they kept talking him up. Okay. Was um, – we had Brevis Island, and now maybe perhaps we'd be Island of Dr. Moreau. Fabian Moreau, cornerback out of UCLA. UCLA. I mean, Played. they were talking him up, so it's maybe – but it seemed like he was making a he, lot of plays. He, he was tremendous. I mean, and he's got good size, right? He's about six feet tall, 200 pounds. Uh, Island of Dr. Moreau. See what I did yes, there? Yes, I know. I know. That, that, was, that was young Mr. Andrew Siciliano gave us that, uh, gave us that line mm. from NFL Network. Uh, yeah. That was uh, he. He said that. Did you hear him say that? Or I did not hear. Oh, because I that. thought I thought it, and then he said it. Oh, I didn't hear him say so it. He said he said the exact same thing that you just said. That's why I, I, that's funny. He said, you know, they had Revis Island, and now maybe we'll have the Isle of Doctor Moreau. Oh, and then wow. yes, How about that? So great minds think alike. Yes, and, and then, although we did keep calling Donnell Humphrey DJ Humphrey. Yes, but, I know. Right. I know. But, again, by the way, you may be you may be a few tweaks away from us. Yeah. <laughs> when you're, uh, you know, when you're even bringing that to life. So yes. <laughs> uh, but all right. So I thought I, I thought he stood out. Uh, now he didn't stand out so much in the game. But another D back, Jalen Myrick from Minnesota. I watched him in their bowl game. Guy was all over the field. He was a guy that uh, I, you know I was reading on, during those bowl games, like before everyone that I, that I watched. I yeah. Mean, you, know, like, you know, guys to look out for. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that was mentioned. Yeah. Played really well in the bowl game. Um, well, the guy that I really liked in the East-West Shrine game was the tight end out of uh, Toledo, Michael Roberts. Michael Roberts, right. Yeah, Big I've, fan. I've, I've done some scouting on him. 6'4", 260, doesn't run that fast, catches everything. He, his hands, by the way, are, I think, almost 12 inches. Wow. A, a big hand. 10 is, ten is considered ten, really 10 large. is considered really big. I think he's like 11 and a half, 11 mm. and 3. Yeah, they're enormous. Guy catches everything and can and block. block. Yes, and can block. Uh, better, he's a better player today than Eric Ebron is for the Lions. I'm going to put. I'm going to tell you that right now. Lions met with him at the Senior Bowl. Would not be surprised to see him be a fourth round pick or somewhere like that. As an aside on uh, Eric Ebron, so you know my guys at DallasCowboys.com, they have like a draft show. Uh-huh. So they were talking about the nerds of possibly drafting OJ Howard, right? And then they just went and Eric Ebron, and you look guys like I mean, he's just been terrible uh-huh. for the Lions. Yeah, he's awful. So he's awful. It's not. It's not just you. Yeah. No. Well, anybody who knows a thing about football and watches, even, oh, and they also said uh, that they, uh, that they, that they wish they would have picked Aaron Donald. Uh yeah, or Odell Beckham. Beckham. Yeah, or yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, please, uh, don't even get me started. So I, I thought. So we're both on, in lockstep on Fabian Moreau. Uh, actually, oh, it was the pass rusher from Florida Atlantic, wherever he was from. Yeah, yeah. He didn't look so great in the game. No, he didn't. Two two guys that I found interesting just because they're they're sons of of, of, of players, but I, they both you know maybe some physical physically don't give you exactly what you want, but the effort is there. Is Brian Cox Jr. defensive right, end exactly. from Florida and Hardy Nickerson Jr. linebacker from right, Illinois, they both played in that game. and they both played pretty well. I thought, I thought. See, I thought Brian Cox was uh, was a bigger prospect. Like I thought he was like a senior bowl type prospect. Yeah, no, I guess, obviously no, I guess not because he didn't make muscles. it. Yeah, no, you guys, uh, uh, you know, those are guys that look. They're not going to be stars probably. 
But back be, into the roster, guys. Exactly. You could do much worse. Core special teams guys. Yeah, you could do a lot worse than that. And actually, the other guy it's that proven I proven over and over again. If you're if you're really hurting at the back end of your roster, yeah. you will catch up. With you. Yeah. Unless you're the Patriots. Right. Then nothing. Yeah. No. I know. And then the other guy that I thought was uh, impressive in that game was Dare Ogunbowale, the running back from Wisconsin. Didn't get a lot of carries in college. Looked really good in the game though. And, you know, Wisconsin has a pretty decent pedigree putting running backs in the NFL. Right. You know, played a lot behind Corey Clement. Um, and obviously before that, they had um, the guy who's on the Chargers who actually had a very good year for them this year. Uh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Chargers running back. They oh, uh, Melvin the, Gordon. Melvin Gordon, right. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, anyways, those, 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 are my, those are my takeaways. Oh, actually, I like Scott Orndorff, too, another tight end from Pitt. I thought uh, Mr. Wonderful? Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, oh, and actually, also there was another tight end, Eric Sober, the uh, the big Canadian. Uh, well, there, there were two. There was one giant sized wide receiver in that game. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that guy. Oh, I forgot his name. Yeah, yeah he was like two hundred and fifty pounds yeah. wide receiver. Yeah. Um, all right. So that was the East West Shrine game. Uh, Senior Bowl. Yeah, there, there was there was quite a, quite a few players that are were on my radar before. Right. So I know Cooper Cup's number one. We both agree on him. That that guy. Wide receiver, Eastern Washington. Joking. Yeah. If they if the Cowboys took him at twenty eight, I wouldn't care. I, I wouldn't you, be upset. You should, nor should you. So Cooper Cup, wide receiver from Eastern Washington. Watch this guy's game film. It's it, it it's Eastern Washington's a one double A school that competes for the national championship in the one double A almost every year. They play on that crazy red turf uh, up there in the northern state of Washington. Um, guy had sick numbers. Here's all you need to know about him. Uh, can he do it against the next level? Well, he had great practices all week at the Senior Bowl. Got open against some of the top DBs in the country. Had a very good game as well. Not, not a great game, but played well enough. Caught everything that came his way. They played two Pac-12 teams this year. They played against um, uh, Washington State and against Oregon. Combined in the two games, he had 26 catches, 400 yards, and six touchdowns. The guy catches everything. Let me just say that again. 26 catches, 400 yards, and six touchdowns in two games against Oregon and Washington State. Right. Now listen, are those two of the best defenses in the country? No. Yeah. The guy can flat out play. Size is good enough. 6'1", 195, 200 pounds, something in that range. I don't care what he's going to run. tested catches. I don't care what he's going to run at the he also, combine. By the way, he's also a good runner after the catch. Yeah, I know. I know. He doesn't have breakaway speed. I saw a couple times where he got caught from behind, but breaks yeah. a lot of tackles. Yeah. And also... Yeah, Jerry Rice didn't have breakaway speed, speed either. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Always falling forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's a guy who's going to move the chains. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a he's as, he's, as you and I like to say, a football he's player. He's a football player. And I am... I am looking for football players, yeah. and I will get football players. So speaking of wide receivers and sons of former players. Zay Jones. Yes. Zay he's the son of former Cowboy Robert Jones. Yes, middle linebacker from East Carolina. His son also played East Carolina. He had some insane uh, numbers are off the charts. Yeah. The now, they're, they're a little bit inflated because they're, they play in that, one of those open spread attacks, and a lot of his catches were bubble screens, tunnel screens, wide receiver screens. He had over 20 catches in one game. He did. He had 150, I think, for the year. But uh, you watch them in this game, uh, again, guy catches everything. Had one uh, long touchdown catch where he made a great adjustment on the back, ball, right? called back on a penalty, made another ridiculous catch in the back of the end zone that was called incomplete that if there was replay, it would have been called a touchdown. And then he also had another touchdown later in the game, caught everything that was thrown his way. He was absolutely tremendous. He's excellent. He's excellent. He, probably, he probably vaulted himself to the second round. Yeah, I would think so. 
Uh, again, not a big speed guy, but has you know again, guy catches everything with his hands, doesn't let the ball get into his body. Uh, is certainly big enough. Again, he's going to help contested he, catches. Can help your football team. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, I think that there, there's something to be said for having that pedigree, being the son of a former player. It doesn't always work out, but a lot of times it does work out. There was another guy that played for Arizona last year, Caleb Jones. That's right. his other son. Right. Who might That's be on right. the practice roster with someone. That's right. Really sure. That's right. Uh, and then the other guy I really liked in this game, uh, well, two guys, was Tano uh, Passanio. Yeah, Passanio, defensive end from Villanova. Another guy, by the way, at this point, yeah, because I'm not, I've done, because that got my attention on him. Uh-huh. So I did a lot of research on yeah. that guy. It, Cowboys take him at 28. I'm not crying. No, the Lions, guy the Lions is, take him at 21. I'm not crying. This guy is six seven. He's like Ziggy Ansah. He's six seven, like two eighty. Yeah, moves like a cat. Uh huh. Um, has already has already garnered comparisons to Jason Pierre-Paul. Right. That's all I have to hear. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. He reminded me might of be, Ziggy Ansah. Might be a bit of a project. Yeah. Um, I can work with that. It reminded me of Ziggy Ansah. Ziggy Ansah was a big project at the Senior Bowl. Lions coaching staff coached that game the year that they drafted him, Schwartz and company. Uh, and they worked with him obviously all week during practice. He had a good game in the in the game as well, just like. Uh, Passanio did, and uh, by the way, it's passing it's spelled K P A S S A G N O N. Yes, yeah. uh-huh. um, pa- passing yo. Passing yo. Yes, um, remember this name. He, but even, so when I looked at him, it reminded me exactly of Ziggy Ansa, a guy who you know, raw. Ziggy Ansa is what six four, six six. He's six six. I think he's six six, maybe huh. six five, right. maybe six five and a half. But yeah, two seventy, two seventy five, same thing. You know, ran like a four six forty at the con. I mean, just a freakish athlete. You know, with a motor, with definitely raw. Needs some coaching, but when you hear motor, you can work with a lot of stuff. That's exactly right. And this guy, I, so I watched most of his tape. I mean, he didn't really play anybody great, but yeah. he, he was unblockable. Yeah, and supposedly the guy, nonstop motor, and the guy, like you know, he gets it. Yeah. Well, there's another pretty good he's defensive. He's so academic and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. probably there's another pretty good defensive end that came out of Villanova years ago. Exactly. When exactly. Mr. Howie Long. That's exactly right. Uh, and then the last guy, another guy from Toledo, was Kareem Hunt, who I was uh, he was high yeah. on my radar yeah. to begin with because I watched again. My go, back, my uh, my, uh, my my contacts over there at DallasCowboys.com by contacts. Yeah. Uh huh. You guys. Yeah, you guys. Exactly. Guys who uh, know they're, things. They're, they're big on Kareem Hunt as well. Yeah. So. Um, again, to your earlier point about perhaps maybe not the most uh, balanced life, I probably watched three Toledo games this year because the MAC games are on on like Tuesday nights and stuff. Uh, plus, I watched them in the bowl game, and uh, I, every time I watched this guy run, I was like, "Who's, who's that?" And now he was bigger uh, during the season. He played at about thirty pounds. Well, not uh, not thirty. He played at about two twenty during the season. He was down to two oh eight, two ten, or something like that at the Senior Bowl. You know, he's one of these short, stocky guys. Which to, that's you know, look, I'm I'm pre, I'm I'm partial to guys of that size. Going back to the Barry Sanders days, but you know, Ray Rice, same thing. Um, you know, when he was having, I, I think that size plays great. You know, short, big, thick legs. You know, stocky, not small, but short. That's fine. You can live with that. Um, you know, guys like uh, look at look at Deontay Black Freeman. Centers, look at Deontay from way back when. Look at Deontay Freeman for right. for the Falcons. That guy, perfect that example. Guy's, that guy's just a, that guy's such yeah, a tough, perfect tough example. Player. Though that's who this Kareem Hunt reminded me of is Deontay Freeman. So 
Uh, those are the guys that stood out for me. Anybody else for uh, you? Yes, Jordan Willis, defensive end from Kansas State. Yep, I liked him. Went right around Zach Banner, who is Lincoln Kennedy's son. Yes, he is. And Zach Banner might be the biggest human being you'll ever see in your life. I believe he's 6'8", 365 pounds, and he's down 35 pounds. Apparently, he was at 400 pounds in college. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's an enormous human being, just like his father was. Lincoln Kennedy yeah. was enormous as well. He looks just like he him, He looks too. just like him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Jordan Willis uh, had a really nice game. He, he did. I like him. Radar. I like him. I'm a fan of his. Well, although the Cowboys might view him as a left end, which would bump him to the third or fourth <laughs> round. I don't want to get me started on a defensive end evaluation. Anybody else that you liked out um, of the game? Let's see. Yeah, uh, well... Donnell Pumphrey, who's love him, uh, who's the, love who him. set the record for rushing for you know of all college football, right? Did which is run, which is he run over the big safety for Connecticut? I did. Who I also love that guy too. What was his name? Melon Fon Melon six four two nineteen safety with range, not that tight hip. Right. Can can flip his hips, can move, can run. I liked him, Donnell Pumphrey. So yes, all time leading rusher in college history. It, it's a little bit skewed because of the bowl game. Correct, because they count the bowl games like Barry Sanders' bowl game records didn't count. You know, silly things like that. But I love this kid. He's what five nine one seventy five. He was one sixty nine in, in in the senior bowl, but he played the season one seventy five. Again, guy is just an instinctive runner. He can catch. He again, like you said, he ran over a guy six four two nineteen. I mean, he didn't yeah. run him over, run him over. The guy tackled him, but he went forward. Correct. He didn't get knocked backwards. Um, love I, don't that think, I don't think he never he, got he, hurt. He returned punts in that game. I, yes. think he was, I don't think he's returned punts before. But it looks like he, he looked do very it. good returning punts. And someone's going to get them. So he'll get, he'll get he'll get drafted high. He'll get drafted like in round, by the third round. But, you know, I don't think car, I don't well, know if the he car, will. Look at, well, look at the Cardinals. I know mean, he's a running back. But, you know, the Cardinals take these tiny receivers in, in the third round, like John Brown, John Brown, and, uh, the, and obviously Tyree Kill for the for the. The, the Chiefs. Yeah, Tyreek Hill's small, but he's not. I mean, he's got kind of thick legs, though. Tyreek Hill. He's kind of. He's kind of you know stocky. Uh, and then the uh, the other kid, oh, not JJ Abrams, JJ Nelson. Nelson. Although I don't know if he was a third round pick. He might have been. He was a he was a later round pick. The kid from UAB that the Cardinals drafted. Remember right? the Steelers thought they had. And also Tree Archer, right? Yeah, yeah. Put up from Kent numbers. State. Yeah, yeah. Well, but also JJ Nelson also ran like a four two forty at the combine. Right. I don't yeah, think Humphrey's going to run that fast a forty time. But um, listen, I, I I I thought he was tremendous. You know, I I, I I I he had a great bowl game. I watched him in, watched him in his bowl game too. Um, and uh, you know, he he looked really good yesterday too. Anybody else that stood out for you? Um, I'm trying to think. Um. I think it was pretty much it. Yeah. No, no quarterbacks really to speak to. to yeah, the guy that I like actually is Josh Dobbs from Tennessee as right. a developmental guy. Sixth, seventh and, and round. And has a future aerospace. Well, that's engineer. the other thing. I mean, the guy's bright as hell. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, as a de- look, it, you know, guy played obviously a ton of big games at Tennessee and the SEC. You know, he had some good games, had some bad games. You know, they got stomped by Alabama. Everybody gets stomped by Alabama this right. year except for Clemson. Um you know, he's got good enough size, 6'2", 6'3", 215, he's athletic, he's got a good arm. Uh, again, uh, not not to come in and be a starter, but certainly he's a sixth-round pick, seventh-round pick. Put him on your team, let him sit there, develop for a couple of years, practice squad. Um, that, that's a guy I would definitely uh, take a look at as well. Another guy in the game didn't have a great game. I don't remember. And Davis Webb actually looked, looked pretty good quarterback. Oh, Cal, yeah, yeah. He looked yeah, pretty yeah, good. He looked yeah, better than Jared yeah, Goff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was thinking that. I was, I was actually thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> I really was. Yeah. Uh, another guy, um, you know, he's getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, he didn't do much in the game, but supposedly he had great practices. This guy, um, 
you know, Temple defensive ends. Oh, back Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick. He yeah. looked – I like him a lot. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his so, too. You know, the, the, the drawback, you know, he's a, he played defensive end in college. He's only 235 pounds. So they have to move him to inside linebacker. Right, or, or, or outside. outside in three, four, or outside right. Will. Or he could play Will in a 4-3-2. But, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, you know else I liked? And this is the last one is uh, – was it Eric Anzalone or Aaron Anzalone? Oh, the guy from Paul Anzalone. Paul from Anzalone from, from Florida. Florida. Yeah. yeah, I like him. He's had a lot of injuries in his career. He has, but when he plays, a guy, guy like can run like, and hit. Yeah, looks like yeah. That's what he's doing out there. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Well, we are off of the college football. We'll, uh, I think our audience is like, all right. It's yeah, like, really. Uh, listen, we're trying to provide a service here. Yeah, we're, we're trying to uh, we're, we're trying, trying to provide a service. Trying to educate here. We're just trying to educate. We're trying to provide a service. And, again... You know, listen, well, I think what we need to do on, a, on, on another show is go back uh, to one of our, like, shows from 2013. Because generally you look at a draft after about yeah, three, three years, years right? Yeah. And, and see some of the guys we talked about. I know one of them on one of the shows was Jarvis Jones we talked highly about. Um, he hasn't done too much. Yeah, no, I mean, he plays, but he hasn't been the star that we thought he would be. But it'll be interesting to do. All right, with that, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back right after this. Back here on Jamal About Sports, I figured we'd come back from the break with something a little bit more upbeat than uh, Peace Frog by the Doors. That, of course, was Everybody Dance by Chic. Very nice. We used to cover that in one of my old bands. Oh, uh, did you? It's a fun song to play on bass. I would imagine. Bass. Yeah, very bass line heavy, very bass driven song. Of course, the great Nile Rodgers was the. Uh, the uh, inspiration behind Sheep. Takes, takes a while to get that one under your fingers. Uh, I would imagine. Get, get, get it to sound right. I would imagine. But, uh, Glad you uh, glad you opened up with her with, with Sheik. Uh-huh. So there was an article today in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, uh, about Sheik, about Nile Rodgers, and it was how uh, how Good Times influenced uh-huh. uh, got uh, got the hip hop movement. Right. But before, so everything leading up to that, there was so much. It was so, it's a, it's not a very long article. There's really some very interesting stuff. Number one, I was not aware of this. He's the cousin of the original Cool in the Gang trumpet player Spike Mickens. Okay, which might not mean anything, but they, but. He, but he was very connected with Cool in the Gang. Uh huh. So that song, Mal Good Rogers Times, was. Mal Rogers. Yes. So that song, Good Times, is kind of like it was. It was their answer. They wanted to do a song kind of like Celebration. Ah. But they wanted to uh, kind of. They wanted. Good Times came out after Celebration. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So they wanted to. So they kind of wanted to. Um, it's a much better song. Celebration. Yes, it is. <laughs> but they wanted to sort of market it towards. Uh, have more of like an upscale uh-huh. feel to yeah. it, and also one of Cool the Gang's early albums was just, was called Good Times. Oh, interesting. So it, it was yeah. So it was it was very interesting, and um, yeah, it goes. So when he formed Chic with with uh, Bernard Edwards, the bass player, yeah. So they were doing their Chic thing, you know, before they mm-hmm. before they really got their identity, right? Uh, he was Nile Rogers was uh, digging in London, and he called um, called Bernard Edwards over, you know, said. I wanted you to check out these guys. They went to see Roxy Music. Uh-huh. And they became big fans of Roxy Music. And they wanted, they said, I want to take this concept. Yeah. 
and and, oh, and, and, and for and, disco and do it for yeah you know for like an urban yeah like because an urban twist on it so it, it's yeah because Roxy Music for those of you who don't know Brian Ferry is the lead singer he he would come out in a white dinner jacket and like a tuxedo right and and sing kind of punk it not punk but new alternative new wave type music which nobody was doing in those days particularly in England so in uh, a very artistic way right. Right, you know, and Brian Eno with 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 music, and Brian Eno, I believe, was Roxy Music's producer. Oh, that's correct, right? Yes, and yep. and then also Nile Rodgers produced David Bowie's album Let's Dance. Right, yeah. right. So it all comes full circle. Yeah, so it was just very interesting, and so you know, and then it, as as it kept evolving, um, yeah, their sound evolved, and then they got involved involved with De- De- uh, Deborah Harry, right. And she's the one who like took them to these underground clubs in Queens, right, where they were, you know, where they were so, where sampling started, and then they they went to one. One of these parts, I'm like, wow, that's uh, that, that's good times. So yeah, uh, where it was kind of it was manipulated a little bit. Like, uh-huh. like, the bass lines off by like a sixteenth note. And John Deacon, the bass player for Queen, uh-huh. who his probably his most famous bass line is another one, one bites the dust. dust. He was the engineer when they when they cut Good Times. Interesting, yeah, because they sounded kind of similar. Well, it's it's it's, it's, it's the same thing, right? It's yeah, clip, but, yeah, but it's it. I, you know, he actually was there when they cut the, yep. they cut the track. Yeah. So well, it's just, you know, really interesting. You know, it was in today's Wall Street Journal. I, yeah. Well, I told I you, I, I, I watched that, that uh, documentary on Netflix, um, Evolution of Hip Hop, and they talk about how Debbie Harry, when she did Rapture, talking about Fab Five Freddy. Oh, by and, the way, Rapture, and, another, another baseline that's, that's kind of uh, lifted from good times. Right. And, and, lifted and, and, and she mentions Grandmaster Flash. In that mm-hmm. as well, right? Flash is fast. Flash is cool. She was, uh, yeah. So she was like on, on the and that that she that was right on the ground floor. Well, yeah, and that that sort of brought hip hop to a, a new audience. Yeah, because people were like, "Oh, who's this Fat Five Freddy? Who's this Flash?" She's talking about. And obviously, it was Grandmaster Flash from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, who of course did the message. Is their probably seminal song? Yeah, one of the greatest, yeah, greatest, greatest hip hop songs of all time. So anyway, and, and just and just to, to put a little, put a bow on it. On it but, a few years ago, at a rehearsal, uh, there's a rehearsal space in, uh, in Manhattan, and, um, you know, there's just like, there's, there's this older woman sort of like by the desk, by the front desk, she, she kind of looked out of place, right. generally not, you know, mostly, mostly younger crowd, younger musicians, and right. so she looked kind of old, like she, you know, she, she didn't look like a rocker or anything, she just looked like old and kind of out of place, right? and all, I mean, like, you know, like mid-60s or something, Okay. and then as I like, got a, I just, like, you know, got a close look, I was like, ah, that is Deborah Harry. It was, huh? I was like, yeah, you, you, awesome. show, you, you better show some respect. Yeah. That's, that's, that's rock and roll royalty right that there. Is indeed. That so, is indeed. That is indeed. Who's a little old? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice uh, one. Yeah, yeah. Dope. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, Come back to me in the next 25 years when you've accomplished that. Exactly. Like 1,000 of what she's accomplished. Yeah, no, pretty good. Big blondie guy. Uh, so as of course we now just spent a half an hour talking about potential NFL pro- football prospects. Uh, uh, you know, I, I watched uh, I, w- I watched Real Sports and uh, you know with, Sean, Brian with Brian Gumble and you know Sean HBO and they did a, um, a story on Kevin Turner who was a fullback at Alabama, really good player, played in the NFL for a long time, I think ten years. You know, he, Eagles and Patriots, right? Eagles, Patriots, I think um, he may have played for another team in there. But, yeah, mostly the Eagles and Patriots. was really good. It was a do-it-all kind of a back. He would be a factor back, as Merrill Hodge would say. <laughs> he could run the ball, he could block, and he could catch. Um, and, uh, unfortunately, got ALS uh, and just recently died. 
at age 46, I think. Um, but like they've done stats on ALS in, in football. It's yes, like, it's like the numbers are astronomical. Well, yeah. So, so Boston University, uh, which is the first you know medical uh, department that uh, that associated CTE and actually named it CTE, mm-hmm. the brain injury that that leads to you know that a lot of these NFL guys, you know, Justin Strelzik, Terry Long, guys in the Steelers, Dave Duerson, Dave Duerson, uh, Steve Smith, the fullback. Who also has ALS, right? Yes, yeah, from another fullback. Penn State guy. Penn State played yeah. for the Raiders for a long time. Yeah, he was a really good player. He too. was, yes. Uh, very similar to Kevin Turner, actually, in that regard. Both, you know, kind of could do everything. Um, but uh, in any event, here's here's what's just insane about this story. So he's got, you know, two, he's got three kids, two sons, um, and, and they show him, they, they, they chronicled him for a while. They showed him John Frankel uh, did, covered his story and they actually ended up becoming very good friends because he started doing he did the first story on him like four or five years ago when he first got diagnosed with it and they kind of show you know pretty much up to the end it's obviously it's a horrible disease i dated a girl uh about 12 15 years ago whose uh, father had als and we went and visited him in philly and it's just it's just it's heartbreaking it's to see it's, it's just heartbreaking to see because you have all your mental faculties but your body's just breaking down around you and there's nothing you can do about it mm-hmm. so um, and you know it's everything that's happening to you. It's just horrible. Anyway, uh, so at first, you know, he's like, well, his sons are playing football. They're tiny. I mean, they're tiny, tiny kids, Aaron. They're like seven, eight years old, and they're playing football, and he's the coach. He's coaching the Pop Warner team. Mm-hmm. And as, as he was diagnosed? Yeah, yeah. And he knows, and at first he's kind of like, well, it pr- may have, you know, something to do with it. You know, they're not sure 100%. Um, and then as he get as he de- starts to deteriorate, um, his oldest son keeps playing to the point where, um, so I guess apparently Dabo Sweeney, the Clemson coach was a college teammate of Kevin Turner's at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the kid turns out to be a really good high school player in the state of Alabama. Um, is getting recruited by Alabama and Dabo Sweeney offers him a scholarship and he gets his, and he takes it and Kevin Turner even as he's literally about to die. So he, he, he has a, a change of heart and says he doesn't want his oldest son to play. And then he changes it back and kind of rationalizes it and says, well, it's much safer now than when I played and, you know, right. all this kind of stuff. And the kid, now, now they interview the kid. They just won the national championships. Kevin Turner has, died, has, has now since passed. Right. He's gone. And John Frankel asked him, you know, do you have any reservations about – Playing the sport that since you killed your father, and he said, "No, you know, I I don't." And then they interview Kevin Turner's parents, who essentially had to take care of Kevin Turner, uh, uh, you know, up until the day he died. And the father goes to every game; he goes to all the high school games in the local high school. But he did say he wants the youngest, the younger of the two boys, the one who's not yet uh, in college, and he may not even still be in high school. To, to not play, and, and I think the, that kid is not going to play. Mm-hmm. And so then John Franklin interviews the doctor at BU who studied Kevin Turner's brain, and she said it's the worst case of CTE she's ever seen, and they think that there is a hereditary link, too, that you're more prone and susceptible to getting CTE if, uh, you know, your, your father, the parent had it. Mm-hmm. And so... But, but, but CTE, isn't that, isn't, isn't that a... That's impact related. It's, it's, it is, but she thinks that that, that, that causes ALS. 
Right. That, that, right. that, that she thinks is a cause and effect. But in terms of uh, being hereditary, right? I mean, isn't it, isn't it caused by impacts, not, you know, not like a, uh, not like a gene? Maybe the, a, I'm sorry, not the CTE, the ALS part. Mm-hmm. I think the ALS part. She thinks there's cause and effect between CTE and ALS. Whatever. It was, it was chilling. John Frankel asks her, uh, you know, what would you tell, I forget, uh, Kevin Turner's son's first name, but what would you tell him? She said, if you want to live a long, productive life, she said, I would tell him to stop playing football. Right. So anyway, it's, listen, it's chilling uh, to say the least. Um, You know, again, it's, we're seeing it more and more. uh, uh, Mel Farr, a fine line uh, running back from back in the, you know, before our time. Whose dad used to sing with Marvin Gaye. no, I think I think it was Mel and Mike Far, Mel Far Junior and Mike Far. No, played for the Lions, right? Right. No, I'm talking about Mel Far Senior. Okay. He just died. He also was diagnosed with stage three CTE. He was also he was a great Lions player. That's okay. Who, who sang with Marvin Gaye? As as did Len Barney. Yes, correct. Right. Yes, okay. that's right. Yep. So he so he they had, sang he, back so up on had, they sang back up on what's going on. I believe. I believe that's right. Right. I think that is correct. Yeah. But so he had CTE. Yeah. Or, yeah, it just came out today. Mm-hmm. Mel Farr Sr., not mm-hmm. Mel Farr Jr. And Mike Farr was his son, was a wide receiver on a team in 91 that right. went into the NFC Championship game. Lions drafted both those guys, though, right? Uh, Mel Farr Jr., they did not. But, but, he, Mike, played, but, he, but he, he never played for the Lions. Oh, Mike okay. Farr, the wide receiver, did. Mel Farr Jr. did not. And they were both UCLA guys? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And as was Sr. And, mm-hmm. and Mel Farr Sr., by the way, at one point, so he ended up after his career – Ended in Detroit. He ended up buying a couple auto dealerships. Grew the business to the point where it was the largest uh, black-owned uh, business in the country. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, he used to have these cheesy commercials where he would dress up as Superman and, like, the kind of bad production values, like, flying through the air to <laughs> knock out uh, high prices. Nice. For cars. Yeah. Uh, kind of a forerunner of Montgomery Fleet Market. And it was, it was, yeah, exactly. And it was Mel Far Superstar. Yeah. Uh, we got it. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's talking about Flea Market. Oh, yeah. To the right. Yeah. To the left. Uh, Let's make it a dance. One of the greatest things of all time. Parodied so, by, to great effect by the Cleveland Show. I was just going to say the Cleveland Show did that, didn't they? Um, so you have that story about Kevin Turner. And then right on the heels of it, and this is why Real Sports is a great show, is a story about John Urschel, who is, you know him. Right. The genius. He's a genius. He's a math genius. He's, he got his PhD in mathematics from a little institution you may have heard of it, MIT. Yes. Um, and he's 25 years old. He went to Penn State. Um, he plays guard and center for the Ravens. I think he starts. Starts, starts, yeah. starts right? I think he starts at right guard. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I believe that is correct. Um, and, and so this guy is as smart a human being as there probably is on the planet, right? He's on that commercial with J.J. Watt. Correct. Yeah. Correct. He's a, probably about as smart a person as there is on the planet. Um, he got a concussion, got knocked out in a preseason game. And he, he said that he was uh, – it took him probably – he said it took him about a, a week or two where he felt like himself to play football. But it took him probably another week or maybe even a little longer where he felt like himself when it came to solving math problems. Mm-hmm. And yet he's still playing. Now, this is clearly somebody who – where football is not his only avenue, right? right? I mean some some of these players – not, and this is not a criticism. It's just an observation. It's their, it's it, their whole identity. It's their whole identity. It's their only avenue probably to at least you know, financial stability right? Uh, and, and, and success in, in a lot of ways. 
Not all of them. Well, there's two it, things going on. And, and, you know, there can be, it's their only financial avenue, and then there's people who are wired to do it. Well, right. Right. Like, like for, just for instance, not, not, not to get too side, too sucker, but Rolando McClain is somebody who's amazingly gifted. Right. Who pro- football was probably only a financial means right. for him, but who had, who had no interest in the game. So right. So, so, so there's two things at work. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, look, and there's guys like that in every sport. I mean, Eddie Curry in basketball, he he didn't like basketball, but he was 6'11", and he was athletic and talented, so he played basketball. Right. And he made a ton of money doing it. He wasn't all that interested in playing basketball. Right. Um... But I just found I just but 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 what struck me so interesting obviously juxtaposed against this prior story about Kevin Turner obviously Wheel Sports did it on purpose that way it's the way they chose to show these two segments back to back but is that here's a guy who's 25 years old has his whole life ahead of him is a genius right super smart whereas I mean obviously our brains are for every is, is the most important thing probably for everyone but even more so you would think for somebody like that who has a clear path to do something with his life if it's not football. And yet he's like, no, nah, it didn't give, doesn't give me pause at all. Because I was frustrated, but I wasn't anyway. Ber- Ber- Bernie Goldberg, who was the correspondent, asked him, were you scared? He said, no, I was more frustrated and scared than anything else. And this is clearly not some quote-unquote dumb job, right? Right, exactly. So I guess so so, he, you know, I guess that's how he's wired to Well, uh, yeah, I get, and the larger the – larger, to me, the larger issue is is there is something I, I can't say what it is, but there is something about that sport that has a pull on obviously the men who and the kids who play it to people like us who I mean look I played it on a very low level in high school, um, but you but know just, but just as fans right there's, there's a, there's right a pull, no matter what no matter what. intellectually speaking at this point we know enough there's enough. Things to not like about pro football. To you can, I don't think from a moral, from just a moral standpoint, that if you said I'm done with, I'm done with this sport. I don't think anybody could argue with you and 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 say you're an idiot for not. I I think there's a a strong case. The Cowboys could sign twenty Greg Hardys, and I'd still find a reason to root for them. I mean that that's that's well, there's that also. I mean, obviously, there's all the, the 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 brain injury stuff, right, and how the league fought it tooth and nail for ten years. See, and that's to me though where you need to separate the league, the entity itself, and the things you may not like that the league does, and then the players and just the the the, the, the pure the pureness, if you the purity, pureness, nice, what am I, moron? The purity of the actual just the competition, right? And and the players on the field. Now you know, again, it's like like you mentioned the Greg Hardy thing. It's a lot like nobody wants to know the sausage gets made. You know, at this point, I mean, I, I want sometimes I want to turn the clock back to when we were fifteen. We didn't know one thing about the players uh, off the field lives, right? right. I don't want to know a lot of that stuff was, was going on. I mean, particularly in today's climate, I, I don't I don't want to know their politics, right? I don't I don't want to right. know what they do off the field. I I, I I don't want to know that stuff. I only want to, or at least I only want to know the good things. Exactly. Right. Uh, right. The opposite of George Costanza, who only believes in God for the bad things, <laughs> I only want to know the good things about the guys on my team. So, this, so this could bring up an interesting question. Yes. Joe Mixon available in the second or third round. Yes. Do I? Would, would, would you have an interest? Um, he could help your football team in he, particular. He sure could. I. I mean, listen. I. I. I, I would have to. Uh, if I were running the Lions, all right. Let, let, let's assume, by the way, let's assume that 
it's a, it is a one-off. It, uh-huh. Quite a one-off. Right. So it, it is an isolated incident. Yeah. You know, that, that, uh, that, that Musk Frankberger, uh-huh. you know, he is yes. a fine young man. Let, right. Let's, let's say that is the case. Yeah. A little hard to believe. Yeah. So let's hard just, to believe, but Hypothetically. Yes. But it's just, you know, it's just the... Um, it's just a bad that, moment caught on film, yes. Right, and that's, you know, the, plenty of teams have, uh, have, have, have done this with, uh, with questionable character guys. But, you know, yep. you've got, you've got, you kind of have that little stain hanging over you. Right. Um, yeah, how easily can you look past it? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because the Lions' new GM, and he's not that new anymore, but he, he, when he first got hired, he, he made a statement, said, we have a zero-tolerance zero policy for guns and guys who hit women. Then he signed a scrub, uh, um, Andrew Corliss, in the preseason. Yes, Penn State and Packer tight end. I shouldn't say scrub, but a journeyman at best, right? Third mm-hmm. string tight end. Um, because the Lions were, had a bunch of injuries at the position and um, signed him where he had, uh, had a gun issue. In, in the season before or something like that, in the off season where he got pulled over for speeding and they found a gun in his car that was unregistered. He had some kind of a gun issue. Right. And so now he's backtracked and said, well, I, I probably should have never said never. Right. So it's interesting to see if it'll be interesting to see if he, if he will uh, also now relax his policy um, and draft a guy like Joe Mixon. I, I, I have to know a lot about it about him again like to me Ray Rice from all indications that was an isolated, an isolated incident. incident seems that way everything up to that incident prior to that Ray Rice was was a model citizen right and 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 frankly a role model in some respects right did a lot of work in the community New Rochelle where he grew up right did a lot of charity yeah. work yeah. a lot of good stuff with kids right and since then and he actually was contrite he didn't give you the whole "oh, I'm sorry if I offended anybody." Right, the non-apology, right? The not, the, yeah, the knowledge, the non-apology. <laughs> yeah. So you know, if Joe Mixon is that guy, then yeah, I, I, I would draft him. And here's here's the sad reality of it, because someone else is. Oh, absolutely. And if the Packers do, or the Vikings or do, the or the Bears, no, I'm, I'm saying those teams oh, you know, you know, in, the, in the division, the teams the Lions have to compete with twice a year, or or you or whomever, you know, look. So, you know, the Cowboys gave Greg Hardy a second chance. Uh, the Eagles gave Michael Vick a second chance. Um, I mean, you, we know it. There's, there's millions of guys you, mm-hmm. can, you can mention. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, the bottom line in the NFL is yeah, it's it's a results business. You're there to win. Yeah. And while it's nice in theory to want to say that all 53 guys on the roster, the team you root for, are all upstanding members of society. The uh, the odds are that that's not going to be the case, right? Um, so, but you know, uh, a, a guy like Mixon, I mean, his talent is undeniable. Of course, um, what he did was horrific. Again, is is it an isolated incident or is it a, a, a precursor? You know, is he Lawrence Phillips? Right. You know, and unfortunately. The people who's who's tasked with probably doing all their, their due diligence, right? Still, you still don't know. You, you try you your all best. The due diligence you want, you still yep. don't really you know. You try your best. Happens, yeah. Doesn't happen. Yeah. You, you try your best to figure it out, um, and you don't know. Which 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 brings me to uh, the last story of the day, and that's Vernon Turner. So uh, anybody out there listening, I, I strongly urge you 
to Google Vernon Turner and I believe the Players Tribune, which is that sports website that I believe Derek Jita uh, is the, uh, the, the, the chief uh, editor-in-chief of. It's, right. it's a venue for athletes to tell stories from there you know, uh, directly to the public. So Vernon Turner, I actually happened to play high school football against Vernon Turner. He played for a school on uh, Staten Island called Curtis. Mm-hmm. He was a 5'6", 165-pound quarterback at Curtis. Now, my sophomore year at Poly, we, uh, our varsity team was undefeated. We were, stud, we were a, a stud team. We were ripping people to shreds. We had an open date, right? We had, we had our last game of the year coming up. We were 8-0, and we, we played nine games a year every year, flat out. What year was this? Uh, it was my sophomore year, so it was 1985. Okay. Um, so that's 32 years ago. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so the coaches come to us and say, hey, look, we know we've got an open date. You guys want to play a game. We can probably find a team that will play us. We're not going to go on the road, though. We've got to play them at home. We'll, we'll only play them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you guys want to do that? It's up to you. We won't think any less of you if you don't. You know, because nine and zero was was we had had a lot of undefeated seasons up until that point too when I first got there, so it was an important number, right? It did yeah. nine symbolize nine and zero symbolized something. So everybody, of course, said, "Yeah, of course we want the game." We never thought in a million years we would lose. So okay, so we find a school, Curtis. Now nobody, no one had ever heard of Curtis, or at least I didn't. Maybe some of the guys who lived on Staten Island did because it's a Staten Island school. But we played other schools in Staten Island: Port Richmond, Maria Regina, School um, Tottenville. Teams that you knew, you heard of, never heard of Curtis. So we had a guy named Eddie Antonucci, who was one of our assistant coaches slash scout. Eddie was a former player who was probably only a few years older than we are, really. And he, he probably graduated in like 82. So he was probably 21, 22 or something like that at the time. Right. Eddie, I'm not going to say was um, – uh, Eddie probably liked the nightlife a little much. Let's, let's just put it like that. So – Eddie Antonucci, uh, he, was a, he was a fine, fine player at, at Poly, by the way. Also number 45, you know, Jim Hayden's number as well. Uh, very good running back. Anyway, Eddie's scouting report comes back. He goes, listen, guys. You know, Bay Ridge guy, right? Italian right. guy from Bay Ridge, Eddie Antonucci. <laughs> he goes, listen. All right, I went and watched these guys. This is Curtis. They got a little quarterback. He throws the ball deep, and they got one big tall guy catches the ball. That's it. So all you got to worry about. You, you stop those two guys, we run all, we walk all over these guys. That was your in-depth scout? That was our in-depth, in-depth scout That was our in-depth scouting report. And he goes, the quarterback, the quarterback's small, but he could, throw, he could throw it. He could throw it, but he's small. He's really little. Okay? And they got one big guy he could throw the ball to, and that's it. <laughs> so we're like, all right, great. So they, they, come, they come to poly prep. And, you know, we're like, these guys are a joke. And we see this. You should have videotaped the practice. So we see this We see this Vernon Turner come out on the field. I'm, I'm bigger than this guy, right? Or I'm probably a sophomore. I'm probably the same size as this guy, right? He proceeds to do a number on us. I mean, nobody could tackle the guy. Guy's got clean shots on him, bounced off of him somehow. He threw the ball a million miles. At, he must have hit. I don't know. And we, it was a close game, but they beat us. And everybody was, of course, you know, crestfallen after the game, super upset. But, and I didn't play much. I probably only played on special teams as a sophomore. It was one of actually the few games I dressed for. Um, so it wasn't like I was really on the field. So I got to watch it up close and personal from the sidelines right. pretty much. And I just remember marveling, who is this, who is this quarterback? 
And I think he was a lefty thrower. I, I just I could I'd never seen anything like it. We played some good teams, and it was just amazing because the guy was small, and he just we couldn't stop him. I forget what the final score was. Maybe it's twenty-one twenty or something around that. It's a close game. They ended up beating us. So anyway, he goes on. He goes to uh, Carson Newman, mm-hmm. small NAIA school, right? But it puts some guys in the pros. Yeah. Um, and he goes on and plays in the NFL for six years. Played for the Lions for a year. He's the first. He, he was the. Remember when Tampa Bay had never had a punt return for a touchdown in their history? He was the guy that did did that for them. That broke that spell. Hmm. Um, also played for the Rams, I think, and for the Bills. Anyway, I had no idea. Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing about. This. Yeah. So he writes this. I thought, I, I thought the only. I remember Mike Titley. You played against him, tight end for went to went to Iowa and played for the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I. You know, it's funny. I didn't really. Remember so much that he that he played in the pros until recently. Somebody pointed out to me. We were laughing. I saw a couple of guys from high school. We were laughing about Eddie Antonucci in a Curtis game. And my, one of my buddy goes, "Hey, you know that dude Vernon Turner? The guy played in the NFL." I'm like, "He did." Like I didn't know this until fairly like until about a year ago mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm like, "He did." And like, "Yeah, played in the NFL." And I looked at him I'm like, "Guy played for the Lions." Like I I, I barely. I, and it was during the Matt, the Matt the Matt Millen era, so I tried to block a lot of that out. Right. But um, yeah. So anyway, For some reason I think I remember that name. Yeah, I, 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 I mean it's it's a, it's a memorable name, Vernon Turner. But yeah, well, it's, it's a great Johnson Center name, right? Yes, Vernon Turner. Who's the third punt return from <laughs> Vernon Turner? Exactly. So anyway, he writes this. He published this article. I don't know if it was today, but it's a letter to his 15 year old self. It's really long. I'll, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version. So his mother was uh, a heroin addict. Um, Married a white Italian guy who's a stepfather. They lived, grew up in Brooklyn and moved to Staten Island. So he's furious. He's 15 years old. He's furious at his mom. He walked in on his mom when he was 11 years old shooting heroin. And she told him, I'm, I'm going to make you watch this because I don't want you to ever do this because this is going to kill me. And this will kill you. Wow. Yeah. And the story she told him was she was 18 years old. She was a baton twirler, track star, great girl. Got gang raped by three guys on a roof one day. They were going to throw her off the roof. And um, someone came up to the roof and they scurried away at the last minute. She got pregnant. She ended up having the baby. That baby was Vernon Turner. Wow. She tells him this story. So now he's racked with guilt that basically wow. he's the reason that she's a heroin addict, right? Because she tells him the reason. He says, he says, Mommy, why are you a heroin addict? If you know this is going to kill you, she goes, she tells him the story and it's to escape the pain and, you know, everything else, right? So this is insane. It's insane. It gets better. So he's he, he's he's filled with resentment, guilt, anger, all these things. Um, doesn't it? Doesn't he? And he hears the, the, his stepfather yelling at his mother all the time, and he doesn't like the way he, he, he's talking to her, and all these things. Um, and then uh, his mother dies. Uh, no, no, sorry. He starts playing high school football. And he's 98 pounds, and he goes out to try to make the team as a freshman. The weight limit was 100 pounds. So he takes two five-pound weights, puts them on ropes, ties them, puts big sweatpants over them, so when he gets on the scale, nobody could see, or so he thinks, mm-hmm. so he can make weight. Head coach sees it, knows it, and says, you know what, I want, if a kid wants it that bad, right, exactly. that's exactly. the kind of kid I want playing for my team. Yep. So, And the coach ends up being a big, big, the high school coach, uh, Curtis, ends up being a big uh, you know, positive influence in his life moving forward. Um, then, you know, later on, his mother dies when he's in high school, and now he, 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 or no, yeah, and he's in high school, and he's like, 
you know, she told me I have to take care of, of uh, the kids. He realizes along the way the reason the father was always yelling at her is he was trying to get her to clean, mm-hmm. get her clean. Right. The reason he moved her from they moved the family from Brooklyn to Staten Island is to get her out of the bad situation, you know, the bad mm-hmm. eight, all the bad influences that were in Brooklyn. Right. His whole family apparently disowned him because he married, you know, a black prostitute essentially because apparently she was doing that to try to make money for drugs. Right. Right. And he basically saved Vernon Turner, and he had, uh, I think, two brothers and a sister as well, mm-hmm. right? Who he and he was the oldest, so he basically had to raise them while the mother was doing God knows what. Um, he ends up getting a scholarship at this Carson Newman. He goes there, um, and uh, he oh, when the mother dies, he, he he by now he realizes that his stepfather is is you know is not a bad guy; he's a good guy. Right, he's actually one of his. And he, and he goes over and he puts his arm around and he says, "You know what, Dad? We'll get through this." And it's the first time they ever called the guy Dad. Mm-hmm. And they you know it's a, obviously a highly emotional moment. And now they're close. And now he goes off to college and he's doing the best he can. And then the the father dies he has a stroke and he dies mm. so now he's like I gotta in his freshman year he's like I gotta go and he just had a good freshman year he's like but I, I, now I gotta go back yeah I gotta go back and take care of my, my yeah. kids I made the promise to my mother when I was 11 years old she's sitting there on the toilet shooting heroin saying you have to take care of your kids uh, your brothers and your sisters this is insane yeah so he finds his aunt who agrees to take the kids in then when he's about to be a senior she says, look, I can't do it anymore. I can't afford it. It's too much. It's too taxing on me. There's too much of a handful. I can't do it. And he says, listen, you got just hanging in one more year. I'll, I, I'll work jobs here. I'll do whatever. I, you know, I'll send you money. You, you just, get, just give me one more year. So uh, actually, no. First, the father dies. He thinks he's going to go back. And this aunt comes and says, you go back to school. I got this. I will right. take care of the kids. Then he's got one more year to go. And she says, I can't do it anymore. He says, trust me. I promise you I will make this work. He starts doing all kinds of odd jobs uh, on the side while still going to school and playing football to send money home to his Aunt Pat. Uh, he makes it through. He, he doesn't get drafted. And this is when the draft was 12 rounds. He was, he's still he, – at most he was 185 pounds. And he's mm-hmm. probably about 5'8 at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty little. Um, and uh, and in small school too, it's not like he was at a big. He's not right. Donald Pumphrey. Right. At San Diego State, has set the record for rushing yards. Right. Yeah. He's at a NAIA school. Um, <clears throat> gets uh, a workout with um, I forget. Maybe it was the Patriots or this. I don't know. One of those teams gets cut. Gets signed by the, the, pro, the pro reference. Pro football reference. Sorry, with the Bills. Right. Bills, right. Rams. Yep. Bills, Rams, Lions, and, and Buccaneers. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Ends up having a six-year career, though, in the NFL and, um, you know, took, took, care of, uh, took care of his brothers and sisters. And, I mean, it's just, it's just an amazing story. Oh, and for good measure, when he fell in, the way he fell in love with football is his stepfather took him to a preseason game as the Giants against the Bears, who was the guy on the field for the Bears that stood out to him, Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. He fell in love with football. He fell in love with Walter Payton. Writes Walter Payton a letter in high school, or maybe it was in—I think it was in high school. I mean, no, maybe it was in college. It was in college, and Walter Payton writes him back. And it wasn't a form letter. It was like a legit, like wrote him back. He, he seems like that kind of. <clears throat> yeah, like he was that kind of guy. 
and told him what an inspiration he was. And Walter Payne gave him all these workout regimens to do because he told him he wanted to be a pro. That's what mm. it was. And he said, all right, if you want to be a pro. That was the guy to ask. That's the guy to ask. Well, he was he, known for having some most insane. Well, he had that he had that hill right in his backyard. He used to run up. Yeah, he used to run up, run up and down the hill until he threw up. Yeah, I think Barry Sanders did something like that too, as because Walter Payton did it also. Um, because uh, uh, I think Barry Sanders' father was a big fan of Walter Payton. Obviously, Jim Brown also, but I think Walter Payton as well. Anyway, just just an amazing story. If you have the time, go to the Players Tribune, read it. Uh, I probably didn't do it enough justice in trying to recap it, but that's a great story. Just though. tremendous. Yeah, that's good. Just that's absolutely good tremendous, and it just it was amazing that I actually played against this guy in high yeah. school, and and, and got to watch it. You didn't realize it. Yeah, and I didn't realize it. And I mean, he and he was just guy was a stud. I mean, I realized it when I read the article today that that's who it was. But yeah, I didn't realize it until like a year or two ago that the guy that I played against the guy who played in the NFL. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, I think Storytelling Monday has been a smashing success. I think it has. I think with that, we were, we were going to talk about the Knicks, but you know what? Oh, let's, who cares? let's end it on a good note. Exactly. <laughs> let's end it on a good note. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back, I guess, next week to uh, to recap the Super Bowl. Go Falcons. Yeah, exactly. And until then, peace out.